0: If you're new, I'm Jamie, and I'm one of the pastors here. It is my honor and privilege to invite you to point your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one around you somewhere, or you can look on next to someone who has a Bible near you. Uh, In the church Bible, we'll be on page 61, Exodus chapter 20, page 61. If you're not super familiar with the Bible, the chapter numbers are the big numbers, The verse numbers are the little numbers. I'll be reading from Exodus 20, verse 1 down to 17, and ask for the Lord's help on our time together as we consider the fifth commandment, which we find in verse 12. Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You'll have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Would you pray with me? Father, now would you grant to us understanding according to your word. And may we be like Mary to sit at your feet and to listen to your word, the good and necessary portion. Would you grant that to us? And would you write these truths upon our hearts, that our lives would be reflective of the weight of, that is the God we serve, that our lives would bring honor and praise to your Son. We do this. Would you do this for us and for his sake? Amen. As a parent to teenagers, I'm sometimes a teacher, and at other times, I'm a student. Uh, So a couple of years ago, I was informed by my teenagers of a new meaning to the word drippy. It's a word that I had only previously ever used to describe a faucet with a worn gasket or someone's nose in the wintertime. But my my teenagers tell me that a new meaning to the word drippy has been adopted. It means an abundance of style, swagger. It's used to describe someone's look when you find it extremely fashionable. So, success and style is literally dripping off of them. Drippy. And then I realized the Bible talks about this. It's having to do with the fifth commandment. So, hear me out. This is Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Now, listen. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, For, here's the drippy part, they are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Honoring your parents makes you drippy. It gives you style. And even in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells Titus that submission to authority adorns the doctrine of God. Peter tells wives that their fearless submission adorns the hidden person of the heart. Honor and respect for authority makes you look good, even to God. So this is Colossians 3, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So the fifth commandment, Gives you finesse. In, a ser- in our series here on the Ten Commandments, we've come to the part of the Ten Commandments which has been called the Second Table of the Law. The first table being the first four commandments, Commandments 1 through 4, having everything to do with mankind's relationship to God. And now we come to the second table of the Law, Commandments 5 to 10 that have to do with mankind's relationship to one another. So think of it in terms of vertical commandments and horizontal commandments. Commandments 1 to 4 are vertical, having to do with our relationship to our Creator. And Commandments 5 to 10 are, are horizontal commandments, having to do with one another. And Christians have long understood that the vertical commandments support the horizontal commandments, meaning that you can't keep the second table of the law unless you're keeping the first table of the law. You can't love neighbor until you rightly love God. And the second table, commandment number five, begins, rightly, in the home. We're going to see that the fifth commandment is much wider reaching than it appears at first. We're going to see, I trust, that the fifth commandment is actually the foundation upon which human society is built. Here's the big idea this morning. You can see it on the screen. Respect for authority in submission to God, is the foundation of a healthy society. So keep and teach the fifth commandment. Respect for authority in submission to God is the foundation of a healthy society. And so teach and keep the fifth commandment. Or if you would prefer, keep the fifth commandment and get drippy. You can look at it that way as well. I'm not even sure if that's how you use the word drippy, but you can ask your teenagers about that. So we'll follow the same outline as we've used before. We're going to look at the fifth commandment explained or explored. Then the, set, the fifth commandment is going to be broken. Then the fifth commandment fulfilled. Fifth commandment explained. Fifth commandment broken. And then lastly, the fifth commandment fulfilled. So let's look at verse 12 again. And then let's unpack the fifth commandment. So this is Exodus 20, verse 12. God says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So that's the commandment. Seven, seven things I would like to draw out of that commandment. And the first is this. The first has to do with the audience to whom the fifth commandment is given. All of the ten commandments are given to adults. Now, you may not live with your parents. Your parents may not even be living. But the principles of the fifth commandment are binding, regardless of your age, regardless of the spiritual or physical state of your parents, The commandment of God does not lose its relevancy when you turned 18 years old. You don't age out of the fifth commandment. So that's the first observation. Second observation on the fifth commandment is regarding the meaning of the word honor. So the word honor means heavy. It means weighty. Something of great value. And you can remember from back when we looked at the third commandment, we talked a little bit about weight. We talked a little bit about how God is the center and the sum of all things. We keep the first four commandments. We treat God with His weightiness As infinitely significant because that's who he is. He is the one who cannot be ignored. He cannot be forgotten. He cannot be unheeded. He cannot be unacknowledged. He is God. His infinite weight. To honor father and mother means to give your father and mother weight. Give them and what they say weight weight. Not to get too ahead of ourselves, but the opposite of honoring parents would be to treat them lightly, to judge who they are and what they say as unimportant. Third, the third thing I would like to draw out of this commandment is that there is no qualifier in the fifth commandment. So God doesn't say, honor your father and mother when they're being honorable. He just says, honor father and mother. And now some of y'all's parents make this real easy. And some of y'all's parents make it less easy. So we'll circle back to this, but just note for now that honoring father and mother is not contingent upon the honorableness of father or mother. And I know that is hard for some of you. So as I said, we'll we'll circle back and we'll spend some time thinking about that in a couple of minutes. Fourth observation. Honor your father and your mother. Now, this would have been unheard of in the ancient world. But if you know your Bible, it should come of no surprise to you because the Bible is all the time elevating the place of women and of mothers. In fact, Proverbs 31 speaks very highly of mothers. The woman who fears the Lord, her children will rise up and call her blessed. And this bit here is important, especially for teenagers in the room. Teenagers, as you are striving toward adulthood, seeking to expand your own freedoms, so to speak, there is something in your teenage years that tell you that your mother can in some ways represent your childhood. And that if you're not careful, you'll end up thinking that your mom is keeping you down and she's holding you back and she's stunting your growth. And I would just say to you, fight that. Fight that in your flesh and fight to honor her. Because here's the thing, and this is something that we all need to understand. There's no easing up of the fifth commandment during someone's seasons of their life. So teenagers don't get a license to break the fifth commandment because they're figuring out how to adult. As a car guy, I like to think of a teenager's brain a bit like a Pinto with like a supercharged V12 engine stuffed inside. Like it's super fast, but it can get real squirrely real fast. Teenagers, submit to God, run to Christ, and honor your father and and mother in this season of your life. And let your prefrontal cortex develop on its own. And there's a reason for this, and this is the fifth observation. The reason that I say this to teenagers during the season of their life is because breaking of the fifth commandment is a really big deal. So stay in Exodus 20. I just want to read you a section of your Bible, a little bit later in Deuteronomy chapter 21, where God is telling Israel what he wants parents in Israel to do to their rebellious children. So just put it up on the screen for me, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter 21. Just listen as I read it. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, again, father and mother, and though they discipline him, he will not listen to them. Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him And bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of his city, this, our son, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge this evil from your midst. And all Israel shall hear and fear. So parents telling their teenagers don't get stoned meant something different back then. (laughs) Very different than when we say the same thing. Today, we tend to explain away teenage rebellion in saying, well, Junior's just going through a phase. He's just trying to find himself. And God says, no, no, no. Junior is living in sin. Teenage rebellion is evil. And the fifth commandment is a big deal. It's in the Ten Commandments. Just like we we talked about last week. Imagine if honor your father and mother were an article of the Constitution. That's how important it is to them as a people. It's a really big deal. And the big dealness of the fifth commandment, I feel, is it's lost on us in a lot of ways. And I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why this is. It is. It's lost on me in a lot of ways. Like, is anyone else struck when you're reading the New Testament and you read dishonoring your parents in the list of other very serious sins? This is Romans chapter one. Just one example. Romans 1, the Apostle Paul is describing the devastating effects of sin on mankind. And he goes on to list God giving them over to their sins. He lists all manner of evil. He says, murder, envy, lying, malice. He goes on to say, they're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. I read that and I'm like, hold up a second, go back. Did you just say disobedient to parents in the same list as murderers? Like, I don't know if anybody in jail is having that conversation. What are you in for? (laughs) Disobey my mom. (laughs) Apparently, breaking the fifth commandment is a bigger deal to the biblical authors than it is to me. And that brings us to our our sixth and seventh observations. The fifth commandment is a big deal because it is the basis of human authority structures. And thus, it is the basis of an ordered society. The fifth commandment is the basis of human authority structures and the basis of an ordered society. And you see this in the command itself. "Honor your father and mother, why? So that your days may be long in the land that your God is giving you. There is something about keeping the fifth commandment, which prolonged God's people's life in the land. Paul picks up on this in Ephesians 6. He says the same thing. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, and this is the first commandment with a promise, so that your life will be well, you'll have a good life, and you'll live long in the land. And living long is a Hebrew idiom for a blessed life, a happy life. So when you were a kid, did your mama ever say to you, I brought you into this world, young lady. I can take you out. I grow was being serious. The fifth commandment comes with a promise of a good and happy life. It is the brick and mortar of all human authority structures. And it begins in the home. So think about it. Where was the first place you heard the word no? It was at home. Where did you learn that there are limits placed upon you by those above you who love you for your good? in the home. Home is where we learn that too much candy is not good. Home is where we learn to submit our will to someone else's will. Home is where we learn to submit. The fifth commandment is how we learn to live Under authority and to give due respect to authority. So, your parents were your first teachers, your parents were your first coaches, your parents were your first bosses. Your parents provided your first interactions with law enforcement. (laughs) And this makes the home, the family, the incubator for society. You see, because for any society to work for the good of all, every citizen must recognize and give proper respect to authority. And in the home is where we were first confronted with the consequences of our actions upon others. That our behavior impacts other people. And it was in the home where we learned to take advantage of reward systems built into every healthy society. That if I do the right things, good things generally will happen to me. And when this is lost, when honor and respect in the home go missing, society itself is affected. Without the fifth commandment, God's people would not have lived long in the land. Everyone would have just done what was right in their own eyes. An ordered society breaks down. In any time in human history, when ordered society breaks down, women and children pay the highest price. That's always how it works. And you can read about this in the Bible. This afternoon, read the book of Judges. And then go take a walk outside and then encourage yourself, because the book of Judges is a rough one, especially the last third. But all of this explains why Deuteronomy 21 is in your Bible. It's why God would order the death of a rebellious son. Because rebellious children, unchecked, undisciplined, are a threat to the very fabric of society. I don't think I have to convince anyone in this room of the connection between fatherlessness in the home and violent crime, do I? It's been well attested. America is number one in a lot of things. Some of them are bad. 23% of children in the United States of America woke up this morning without a father figure in the home. Number one in the world. And the Justice Department of these United States says, and I quote, the most reliable indicator of violent crime in a community is the proportion of fatherless families, end quote. And we'll talk about the Bible's answer to that in a couple of minutes. Family is the incubator of society. As goes family, so goes society. And thus, this God gave his people the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. It is one of the 10 words that he expected to shape them as a people. So that's the fifth commandment. Now let's consider a couple of the ways The fifth commandment is broken. The fifth commandment can be broken while you're under authority, and it can be broken while you're in authority. And we'll look at both. We've already established that we break the fifth commandment when, as children, we dishonor our parents. When we speak of them disparagingly, we break the fifth commandment when we give little weight to who they are, what they say, But Christians have long understood, as we've already explored, that the fifth commandment has more to do with just mom and dad. It has also to do with authority structures in society. And we've been talking about this for a very long time. The Heidelberg Catechism of 1563 asks, what is the fifth commandment? What does God require of the fifth commandment? And the answer is this. That I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and my mother and... To all those in authority over me, submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline, and I love this part, and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. Now, this is America. Let's be honest with ourselves. Our knee-jerk reaction to the fifth commandment will not be over-submission, to those in authority, it will probably be the opposite of that. We're going to have to put due attention to submission to authority, which, according to the Scriptures, God has placed over our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our churches, and in our country. So Romans 13, 1 to 2 should come of no surprise to you, but does serve as a good reminder. But the apostle writes, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Those who resist will incur judgment. 1 Peter 2 goes on to say the same sort of thing. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Peter then goes on to apply the fifth commandment to the emperor. Honor the emperor. Which during his time was not a good man. He didn't like Christianity. didn't like Christians. Peter says, honor him. So we break the fifth commandment when we neglect or do, th- do anything against the honor of those above us in authority. And this includes parents. It also includes our bosses, the police, our government, our church leaders. Now, are there limits to this? Of course, there are. When those who are in authority forbid us from doing what God commands, or when they command us to do what God forbids, we must obey God. And this is only because our submission to authority is first and foremost a submission to God. So you read this week, if you're following the Bible reading plan of the church, you read in Acts chapter 5 where the authorities told the apostles, stop preaching in that name. So they had to think to themselves, hold up a second. Jesus, just, Jesus taught us told us to preach in that name. So we're going to keep preaching in that name. We must obey God rather than man. So there are times. In places when we must obey God rather than man. So if you're not a Christian and you came to church today, I, I think you picked the perfect Sunday to come to church when we would be considering the fifth commandment. Because God wanted you to know something very important. All the times when you have disobeyed your parents, when you've broken the law, all the times when you broke rules at work, you weren't breaking mom's rules. You weren't breaking your boss's rules. You weren't breaking the government's rules. You were breaking God's rule. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God in the garden because they wanted to be God. And you're no different. You break the law because you want to be a lawmaker, not a law keeper. And this the Bible calls Sin. And the penalty of Adam and Eve's sin was banishment from the presence of God and the loss of eternal life. And for since your sin is the same as theirs, your penalty will be the same as theirs. We would spare you that. And we would call you today to confess this sin before a just and holy God, to turn away from it, to trust in Jesus Christ, and to receive full forgiveness for all of your sins, no matter who you are. As soon as the service is over today, I would encourage you to talk with someone. Tell them that you'd like to become a Christian. They'll rearrange their whole week to begin meeting with you, telling you more about how to follow Jesus, how to receive mercy for your sins. Well, another way that we break the fifth commandment is when we fail to teach those under our authority how to submit to authority. Since the family is the incubator of society, parents have a responsibility to teach their children how to honor them, how to respect authority. You parents have heard me say it many times, that parenting is discipleship. In parenting, you're teaching your children to submit to God, how to believe in Jesus Christ, how to follow Him. And part of that is how to keep the fifth commandment. So mothers, fathers in this room, the fifth commandment is God's law. You teach it. Explain it. Apply it to your children's lives. Because your children's submission to you is foremost a submission to God. God. And when they fail to obey you, they're disobeying God. And as a parent, you make this connection for them. And you do it often. Their disobedience to you is a disobedience to God. Their obedience to you is an obedience to God. And so when your children disobey you, it is, let's, let's use the Bible's word for it. Let's, let's call it what it is. Let's call it sin. When you're disciplining your children, use Bible words. Sweetheart, when you disobeyed mommy, you sinned against God. And when you put it in these terms, when you use the Bible's language, then you can find the Bible's solution. You can open the door to a gospel conversation with your little one. Understand that her problem is not that she didn't unload the dishwasher. The problem is that her little heart refused to submit to the authority that God has placed over her life. She has sinned against the holy God. And when you put it in those terms, then you can get to Christ. You can tell her, sweetheart, God loves you. He doesn't want you to live in sin. He doesn't want you to be pushed away from him. That's why he sent Jesus to to come and to die on the cross for your sins, and to bring you back to him. And he will forgive you when you repent of the sin, and he will restore you, and he'll give you joy in obedience to him. Now go and load the dishwasher. You see, if you only ever tell your child what they did wrong, and then tell them, go make it right, You have just made your little one their own savior. But when you help her to see her sin, then she can see her savior. She can turn to him. She can repent. And then she can unload the dishwasher. She's going to unload the dishwasher either way, but only one of the ways changes her heart. The other one just makes her a good law keeper. And you've just created a mini Pharisee. Teach your children the fifth commandment. We'll end our time together in considering, uh, lastly, how the fifth commandment is fulfilled which of course means that we get to go to Jesus. So, if you have your Bible, let's go to Luke chapter 1. Turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. It's been a bit since you've heard me say that, and Lord willing, we'll get to say that again real soon. We restart our series in Luke. Luke chapter I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. So that's page 858 for using one of the church Bibles. Luke chapter 2, we studied this text last January, so this will be a refresher, but I do want to apply it to the fifth commandment because I want you to see how the Lord Jesus himself fulfills the fifth commandment. So Luke chapter 2, right at the end of chapter 2, verse 52. No, 51. Verse 51. And he, that's Jesus, went down with them, that's Joseph and Mary. And came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. So here we see that Jesus kept the fifth commandment perfectly in our place. He submitted himself as the Lord of glory, incarnate, to his parents. The Bible even teaches that in the mystery of the incarnation, Jesus learned obedience. By the things he suffered. His obedience to Joseph and Mary was first and foremost an obedience to his heavenly father. Christ submitted to his parents. Who, might I add, were sinners. Right? Like, are we to assume Joseph and Mary were perfect parents? I don't think so. And yet, Jesus submitted to them. He was a perfect son, and they were imperfect parents. And so, circling back to the question we had at the beginning, how do you honor imperfect or even sinful parents? Well, like with anything else in the Christian life, you look to Jesus. Jesus submitted to his parents, even though he was... Just a tad bit more spiritually competent than them. Even as an adult. You remember from John chapter 2, when Jesus' mother comes to him, she had misunderstood the timing of his ministry. And he still honored her at the wedding at Cana. As he hung on the cross with Mary weeping. He commissioned the Apostle John to take care of my mama when I'm gone. And sometimes this honoring of parents who are imperfect and sinful and even bad gets really complicated. In our family worship with the kids uh, last week or the week before, we're reading reading through the Gospel of Mark together. We came to chapter 3. There's a section of Mark 3, where Jesus' own family, and Mark tells us Mary's with them. they come to Jesus, not to hear him preaching, because some of them think he's out of his mind, and they want to bring him home. He's got this huge crowd, people are coming, he's doing all these miracles, and he's saying some stuff that's pretty wild, and people are, his, some of his family's just like, let's bring him home. Let's get him some help. And he didn't go with them. He did not submit himself to them. You see Jesus' submission to his parents was appropriate, but it was not ultimate. Jesus submitted to his parents appropriately, but submitted to his heavenly Father ultimately. And there's the answer. For how you submit to sinful parents It's the answer for how you submit to all authority. All authority has been instituted by God. We honor parental authority. We honor other forms of authority as a way of submitting to God. We submit to our parents. We submit to preachers. We submit to presidents appropriately, but we submit to God ultimately. Jesus went to the cross in our place to suffer the penalty of our law-breaking and to offer himself as the fulfillment of law-keeping. And having been united to Christ by faith, you have been counted righteous. So Jesus' keeping of the fifth commandment is counted towards you as if you had kept the fifth commandment. And this teaches us, reminds us that Our keeping of the fifth commandment, none of the commandments, is the basis of our relationship with God. Christ's obedience to the Ten Commandments is the basis of our relationship to God. And because we have been filled with God the Holy Spirit, now we can keep the fifth commandment for the glory of God. We can honor our parents. We can submit to authority. We can teach our kids to respect authority. We can model respecting authority for them. And you see, Christ's fulfillment of the fifth commandment opens up the door for a much broader and far wider-reaching reality. So that section of Mark chapter 3 but I study with my kids. Jesus goes on to say when his parents, or when his, uh, when his mom and his brothers, sisters came to bring him home, he said, he said to the crowd that was gathered, he said, who are my mother and my father? Who are my brothers and sisters? He says, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. And the Lord expands the fifth commandment to include his people, the church when you trace this out in the New Testament, you see the Apostle Paul calling Timothy and Titus and Onesimus his sons. In Romans 16, he even calls one woman his mother. You hear it in this room all the time, Christians calling one another brother and sister. And the reality is is that you, dear Christian, have more in common. you are more united to a stranger in Singapore who is in the Lord than you do with a coworker or someone on your golf team who isn't in the Lord. In Christ, this church becomes your family. And so look around. Behold. Your fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers. Maybe your children have left the house. Well, there's a lot more of them in here. The fifth commandment is carried out in your home. And it is carried out in this church. And so the reality is that having been united to Christ, a single mom who joins herself to her church has 20 fathers for her sons. And the single dad the same, 20 mothers for daughters. How zealous I am to see our church step into this. And we do it a little. We have a long way to go. You young guys who didn't grow up with a strong father figure in your home. Rather than spending all of your time talking to other young men who don't know any more than you do. Find an older man. Attach yourself to him. Behold your fathers. Men who have walked that path. Who can give you wisdom. Ask good questions of them. Pray with them. Honor your fathers. Paul told the Corinthian church, you have countless guides and not many fathers. And he became their father. And so older men, behold your sons. These young men who you can take under your wing and pray for, disciple, and teach. Become a father to the young men in this church. Young ladies, behold your mothers. If you want to learn what it is to be a good wife and how to keep a good home and how to raise children well, ask your mom. There's about 30 of them in this room right now. Honor your mothers. Older women, behold your daughters. Titus 2 says that you are to teach and train them how to love their husbands and their children, how to keep their home So that the word of God will not be reviled. Paul's words, not mine. He's saying that you, sisters, have a responsibility to protect the reputation of God's word in this place by investing yourself in young women. Do you want to see the gospel advance in the earth? Do you want to see the, the name of Christ resound in places where he is not named? do you want to see our country changed for the better? I know many of you do. Well, it doesn't start in Troy or in Columbus or in Washington. It starts in the home. It starts in this place and works out from there. Showing up to vote on November 8th is a good thing. But showing up to initiate family worship in your home, showing up to disciple a young mom or a young dad, showing up to encourage a young married couple, showing up to sit under wise teaching in a Sunday school class, it's infinitely better. Keep the fifth commandment. Adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. And get drippy. Let's pray. Father, we confess to you that we have broken the fifth commandment in more ways than we ever thought. And We thank you for your Holy Spirit's conviction, for revealing our need for Christ in this way. We thank you for drawing us to Christ and softening our hearts. Would you grant us repentance for we have sinned? and For the sake of Jesus' glory, look to him, our Savior, pardon us. Will you give us your Holy Spirit and renew a right spirit in us? Will you enable us by your merciful grace to keep the fifth commandment? Enable us to honor our parents and submit to those who you have been pleased to place over us. And strip away every desire in us to be a lawmaker. Humble us. Make us boldly obedient. Make us courageously submissive. For the glory of Christ as we keep our hope, not in this life only, but in the age to come, where Christ is all and all. For Jesus' praise, we pray. Amen. Please stand to your feet. I'm going to read over you the assurance of pardon this morning, coming from Ephesians chapter 1. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace.